be looking at uh, uh, how to remain uh, peculiar, or I will put it in a better way, you know, maintaining our peculiarity. The problem we have is not about not being peculiar. The problem we have is not about not being unique. God has already said that, and that settles it. To those who are blood-bought, redeemed by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, our status before God is of a peculiar people, a unique people. There is nothing to say about that. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, it's another thing entirely. But according to the verdict of God, you are no longer in the class of other people who are without Christ. And that is the truth about it. God's precious people, blood-bought, they remain unique. They remain different. And I'm praying that the Lord will give us this understanding in Jesus' name. Because we need to know who God says we are. So it is not about that truth not being true for us. It's about what we do to maintain that peculiarity in the world wherein we live. It is about what we do to reflect or manifest that peculiarity. And I quickly want to sound this caution that here we are not talking about certain rules and regulations, do's and don't, to make ourselves look unique. No. He has not told us, go and make yourself look unique. Paul has told us that we are unique. Are you getting me? Uh, just like a prince, if you are truly a prince, you don't need to go around and answer and say, don't you know I'm a prince? Don't you know I'm a prince? You understand? Because it's already accepted that you are a prince. But there are etiquettes of the king of the kingdom. There are principles of life in the palace that you have to embrace. Are you following me? Yes. To maintain that peculiarity of you being royal. You are not getting this point I'm making. And I'm sure you will understand what I'm saying. So, for you to maintain that uniqueness it is necessary that certain principles, etiquette, will guide your life. That's what our Christianity is about. We are not a people without rules. We are not a people without, how do I call it, without principles. No, we are a people with principles based on who we are. May the Lord give us understanding concerning this in Jesus' name. Amen. And that is what today is about. What principles of life will God have us operate? And you see that they are not anything different from what we have learned before. 
except that we need to remind ourselves what they are. And as long as we walk by those principles, everyone around us will see us and say, these are truly a different group of people. They operate by a different rule. They live by a different principle of life. And that is what it's about. The world has its own principles of life. But we, as people of God, we also have ours. And I'm praying that God will reveal this to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of us who have believed, <clears throat> as we live in this world, there are certain things that God wants us to know first. Turn with me to John 17. We're going to begin from John 17 about that intercessory prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he said as he was praying. He was talking about those whom the Lord had given him. He was talking about those who have come to associate with him and for whose sake he went to the cross to die. Even though at this point he had not, but he eventually went to the cross to die for them just as that death also, of course, eventually applies to our own life as well. But look at what the scripture says. Uh, from verse... Mm, okay, maybe from verse 13, I will take it. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So the Lord is going to be speaking to us today so that, you know, our joy may be full in him. There's, you can never have fullness of joy by operating by a law or a rule or a principle different from the place God has brought you to. If we think we can have fulfillment elsewhere or by operating some other principle, it's a deception. Look at what it says. I have given them your word and the world has created them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world which means we belong to a different world. We live here as sojourners as we read last week from first, no, on Friday. We are sojourners here and it simply means that we belong to another world. And that has to be settled in our heart from the beginning. The moment you say, I'm a Christian, you have moved from just being citizens of this world. They may give you citizen. They say you are a British citizen, a British national, a Zambian national, an Angolan national, a Nigerian national. Whatever they give you, it's just... It's just part of it. But we belong to even, we have a higher nationality. We are here as sojourners. And that's why we cannot allow ourselves to be restricted, to be limited by the world. Does it mean we don't obey rules? It's part of the principle God has taught us how to respect authority here on earth. But we must know that we don't Originally, we no longer originally belong here. Hallelujah. 
He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Which means we are here on an assignment. We are here for the purpose. We are citizens of the kingdom of God in the world for the purpose. And we're talking about divine protection last week. And you can see divine protection here, isn't it? Keep them. Keep them. God is committed to keeping us because we are special people. Just like when you send ambassadors to another country, the host country has the responsibility. No, the, the, the sending country has the responsibility to ensure that the host country treat them well. And that's why you see they are not treating your ambassador well. You know, you have to take action. God is committed to keeping us. Hallelujah. Now, let's go home. Because we are special. And I'm, and I'm trusting God when, you know, there will come a time when we will come to ambassadors for Christ, who, as who we have. It will not be this year. I don't know when. Uh, well, don't let me say I don't know when, but it will come up at some time. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, the word sanctify there means both to cleanse and to separate. To separate for to cleanse and to separate for holy use. That's what it means. And that means we have a constitution. We have something that does that for us. It is the word of God. There's no way we can remain unique if we are ignorant of the truth of the word of God. You will live like every other person if you don't know the constitution of your new country. You will operate by a, a rule, a principle that is different from the country of your origin if you don't know what it's about. So the word of God is our guide. It's our constitution. It is the truth that should guide us, not what they do in the world. And that's why when people say, no, 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 let's just set the Bible aside. I'm not talking about Bible now. That's deception of the devil. We have to operate by the truth. No matter how hard we think it is. That's the way everybody, that person is doing it. No, maybe they are not citizens of the same country as we are. Maybe they are fake citizens. If they even say they are citizens, maybe they are fake citizens that we need to check their passports. Is it not true that people carry some fake passports around and somebody needs to now use some detectors? You as a normal, as a, an ordinary person, you may not know it's a fake passport, but take it to the right people when they scan it, they say, ah, stand aside, stand aside, stand aside. This doesn't look like original. And there are so many people, they carry some passports around, but it's not original. They've scanned it. Everyone has scanned it and says, let them step aside. 
May God help us to understand this truth in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we just want to quickly run through. I may not be able to do extensive teaching on each of them, but we just want to see how do we maintain our peculiarity in a world where we have already been told that we are no longer a part of. We are here, but we are not of it. We dwell here, we relate here for a purpose, but our origin is no longer here. We are sojourners here. That's the point. And so, let's take, so we are not going to be guided by our culture. We are not going to be guided by anything other than the truth of the word of God. Whatever is not true according to the word of God cannot be true for our lives. It's as simple as that. That's what the kingdom of God demands. Now, so in dealing with this, uh, there are scriptures I'll quickly be reading. The first thing in maintaining our peculiarity is connection with Christ. Connection with Christ. We have to remain connected. Connection with Christ or connection with God. Our peculiarity is relationship-based. It's about who we belong to. It's about who we fellowship with. It's a fellowship-based thing. If we disconnect from him, we become useless. Because our life, our entire life is sustained by a relationship. Our entire life is governed by fellowship. It is the truth of our life. It is governed by fellowship with Christ. So fellowship is very important to us as a people personal fellowship with God and then personal fellowship with believers in the journey going to the same, heading towards the same direction is very important to us. Fellowship is crucial and everyone who belongs to this kingdom, to this new world we are talking about needs to know how important fellowship with Christ is. Let's turn again to John 15. That's same John. John had a lot of understanding of importance of fellowship in sustaining our life and remaining peculiar. Is somebody understanding what we are saying this morning? Let's turn to John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, Jesus has this to say. Just to save some time, I'll start from verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Can you see how it is a relationship? How it is a connection? We have to stay united with him. 
if we must produce the fruit of the kingdom, the fruit of the spirit, then relationship is indispensable. Connection with God. You are as unique as the level of your fellowship with God. That's the truth about it. The aura of heaven that you carry that make people to say this is a different person is actually based on your level of intimacy with God. You can't long live beyond your level of fellowship with God. Your level of you know, intimacy for God, or with God rather, love for God. You can't live above it. In the kingdom of God is the, is, the, is, the, is the principle. No one can live above the level of their love for God. Anything you do that is beyond the level of your love for God, it is called godliness that lacks the, a form of godliness. Devoid of the power thereof, it is religion. Amen. Amen. And that's why people drift quickly into legalism because they want to live above, above their level of love for God. They think, let me do this, this, this to impress. If you want to do that, you will never stop adding one thing upon the other. Are you following me? Live the life of God based on, your fellow, based on fellowship. Amen. Amen. What verse am I? Verse uh, five now. I am divine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can achieve nothing. You can attain nothing. In this kingdom, you can't do anything. You can try to manufacture something, but it will amount to nothing. Relationship matters. Connection, intimacy with God matters. And to be honest, it's only God that can tell us the level of the intimacy of each of us with him. Because nobody can deceive him about that. He knows it. Amen. You can see that now nobody's in church. No, in a church building, rather. We are in church. But nobody's in a church building where anybody can display anything. It's only you that can tell yourself, am I really having fellowship, a good time with God during this time? It's only you. And God who can define that. So we are not just talking about outward show. We are talking about your, what is real to you, what is real to your life. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Remaining connected. Remaining connected. It's about abiding. It's about who you fellowship with. I can read many scriptures because like I said, I just want to go through this. I just want to run through it. All the different things we saw that distinguish God's people from the rest of the world in Psalm 91. I hope you knew where it started from. 
Let's look at that verse. Maybe that's the one I'm going to take now. I could have gone to First John and go through all of those. But just know that our peculiarity, okay, sorry, before you go, that's John 15. Let me conclude that somewhere. It says, um, if anyone does not abide in me, that's uh, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and threw them into the fire, and they are burned. So which means they will be treated as a common thing. So there will be no difference between them and dry wood outside, firewood. Are you following me? Connection is important. And I'm praying that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. And if you go home, if you honor in the place of prayer, he said, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So you remain unique. Even in the place of prayer. Asking, receiving, they are all relationship based. Amen. 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 Good. So Psalm 91, just quickly, I'll pick that. Psalm 91 verse 1. In Psalm 91, verse 1 says, and you know it, but I want to read it for you. It says, uh, where am I? Yes. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells. Can you see that? He who dwells. What about those who don't dwell? You know, he didn't say he who confesses. <laughs> it's not just about what you confess. It's about what you do as well. He who dwells. So to quote the rest of the chapter, then you must first of all, you must first of all have fulfilled the criteria of verse one. Dwelling. Dwelling. Dwelling is the, is the point. Not, the, not quoting a verse. It is dwelling. Dwelling. It's about what you do. It's about relationship. And I'm praying that our relationship with God will remain strong and grow stronger in Jesus' name. Amen. Where everything else we do in the kingdom of God comes from. Our uniqueness is based on that. Why do you think the face of Moses was shining and the rest of the people were dry, except if they put pomade? <laughs> they put uh, shine. But as for Moses, he reflected the glory of God. Because he was in the presence. God had guaranteed that my presence will go with you. But somebody actually went into that presence. Others stood afar. So the difference will be clear. May the Lord give us understanding. 
Amen. Amen. Is that first point clear? Yes. Did we get that clearly? Yes. Praise God. So let's pick the second scripture now, uh, the second point here, in maintaining our peculiarity in the world. The second point you will see there, the second point here is, we have talked about connection with Christ or with God, which is the same. Number two is consecration. Consecration to God. Consecration. What does that mean? Connection, consecration. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. In the book of Romans chapter 12, turn with me to that. In Romans chapter 12, the scripture has this to say. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, And be not conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll come to that later. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he's saying, present your body as a living sacrifice. By the reason of the mercy that God has shown us, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, so you have not obtained mercy before, now you have obtained mercy. By the reason of that mercy, what should we do? Consecrate. Consecrate. And what is consecration in this sense? Consecration to God is a willing release or a willing surrenderance of one's life to God for only use. A willing surrenderance of one's life, I think I missed something there, and resources to God for his only use. Is this making sense to us? A willing Consecration. That's what it is. That's what it is. A dedication of your own life willingly. Willing dedication of your life. Offering of yourself. Of your life and your resources to God for only use. Hallelujah. Whereas others can devote themselves to something else. Whereas others can devote themselves to whatever they want to use their time for, whatever they want to use their resources for, their talent for, the difference is to whom have you dedicated your own life. That's our uniqueness. People are devoted. Don't don't get me wrong. People are consecrated in many different ways. There are those who are consecrated to football. Ah, It's a dedication, you know. To go and sit down to watch a man that is going to kick off at 3 o'clock and you are there from 10 a.m. And clapping and jumping before the people you are going to play even step out. You are hanging around. You know, it's a dedication. There's nothing bad in sport. I enjoy football myself. 
But the reality is that to whom have you dedicated your own son? That's our uniqueness. They say, ah, we know, we know where, you know, a father once came looking for the daughter. Once, when we were in Nigeria, in the church where we are, we were. If, you know, so the, the dad went to where this girl was living, didn't find her. Then asked somebody, I said, look, just show me where the church is. If you know where their church building is, that's where I'm going to find her. And it was not wrong. Are you following me? Are you, that's a uniqueness that you know where to find her. Don't go to a, to a pub to go and look for her. It won't, she won't be there. Don't go here. Don't go there. That's not where she will be. I'm not saying, you know, people go to the pub for different reasons. But they know where to find her. You say, is it a fellowship day? They say, yes, ah, I know where to find her. That's where she will be. And it was not lying. He didn't miss it. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. To what is your life consecrated? It's going to determine your peculiarity, your uniqueness. Whilst others have devoted themselves to many different things. To what is your own life devoted? To what is your life consecrated? To what and to whom? So we are not just talking about being peculiar, being peculiar, just uh, we are chosen, we are this, just as a matter of confession, as we are saying on Friday, based on the question that we asked. The matter is to whom is your life offered? There's no one who is not committed to something. Some are committed to sleep. Even you say this man is a lazy man. Is only committed to his bed. Hallelujah. Are you getting the point I'm making? May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. It's about to whom our life is devoted, dedicated, willing one. That's, what it's, that's why it is consecration. Willing, willing, willing yieldedness, willing surrenderance of your life to something. And in this case, to God. That will tell us, that will tell who you are. That will, that will distinguish your uniqueness. Have we brought any, any rule and regulation here now? Have we talked about do's and don'ts? No, because things will be sorted. I've never seen someone who is holy who is given to God, who God will not sort out things in your life that nobody will be able to tell you. There are things people may feel, mm, I don't want to tell him, I don't want to tell her. Well, you know, they just want to leave you in the hand of God if you are in his hand. But God himself will point it to you. The day he will point it to you, you won't know. But as long as you are there, because he's interested in you, it's part of your uniqueness. Say, I've, I've looked at you all this while. This aspect of your life has to change now. Amen. But it's about offering. To whom have you offered? Willing. Willing one now. That's our uniqueness. That's our peculiarity.
Does this is this point I'm making clear? Does it does it make it clear? Even in God's house, do you know that our consecration, our level of consecration will differ? And so will differ the level of glory that we carry. Amen. In the great house, the scripture tells me there are many vessels. Some unto honor, some unto dishonor. Some are made of wood and clay, but some are made of precious materials, other precious materials. And what determines the group to which one belongs to is consecration, personal consecration to God. I'm not talking about uniform. All of us can sew the same dress, wear the same thing, but our consecration still differs. Are you following me? So yeah. that is not a rule. I'm not setting out religious rules. I'm just saying you as a person. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2. The book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2. So when we say we are unique, it's a reflection of the level of our consecration. God has already declared that it is general for all of us to say you are unique to me. But how much of that we manifest depends on how much our life is consecrated in his hand. Amen. Verse 20 says, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. In fact, some of that newer translations are formed for, you know, uh, special purposes, some for common use. Is that good news? I think one of the translations use that language. If you know the translation, if you have the translation that use such language, let me know you can read. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Can you see the difference? You determine the difference. You determine to what level of uniqueness, peculiarity, you manifest. The verdict is general, but the manifestation and the reflection of it in day-to-day living will differ. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 41, he said there's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, 1 Corinthians 15, 41, and another glory of stars. And even stars, they differ in glory. Are you following me? We all can shine, and we all are expected to shine as children of God, as children of light. But the amount of glory will still differ. Amen. Amen. New Living Translation, Pastor. Yes, ma'am. New Living Translation, 2 Timothy um, 2, from verse 20. 20. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. Hmm. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. Aha, the expensive one. 
The ones that value the price over their lives, they are used for special occasions. Yes, continue. And the cheap ones are for everyday use. Uh, the cheap ones are for everyday use. The cheap ones, anything, you know, you can use them for anything. But the value presented, look at what determines it. Continue. If you keep yourself pure, yes. you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. Yes. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Amen. So it all depends on you. May God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the value, the blood price of Jesus Christ paid on all of us is the same. But how much of that we portray depends on us. Amen. If that point is clear, let's go to the next one. Separation. Separation from the world. Consecration and separation, they are two sides of a coin, to, to be honest. Because you can only be separate from one thing and be devoted to another, isn't it? Mm. So there are two sides of a coin. And they are what constitute what we call our sanctification. The level of sanctification will depend on these two things. Your consecration to God and separation from the world. Are you, are you getting me? There are the two legs of sanctification. So separation from the world. Because sometimes we deceive ourselves by thinking certain level, yesterday, we were sharing as a family about you know, friendship and things like that. But we also need to be quick to be, to be aware that there is a level. God wants us to be friendly with everyone. God wants us to be friendly, to relate freely with people. But there's also a level of relationship that can either make or mar your life. Am I communicating this morning? Mm-hmm. There's a level of partnership with the world that is capable of denting your life and testimony. And nobody will ever know that you are a different person from them. Amen. Amen. Some of us, we have rendered ourselves so cheap that even the world around us don't even know that we are anything special. It's about the value we place on our life, not the value we place on us. The value we place on us is, is unique. But what, how we value that is a different thing entirely. And separation from the world is one of them. Last week we were talking about the presence of God as one of the privileges of being special. The presence of God with us. But do you know that there are places you go to and God will say, my hand, no deal. He will deliver you when you repent. <laughs> but uh, uh, he will say, that one, you are on your own. Yes, yet he has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. But in those kind of circumstances, it will look as if he's so far away from you. Because you have entered into something that you shouldn't have. Are we together? Turn with me to 2 
there are there are so many of these ones that I can read, but I will just limit myself to Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians chapter six says, and I read, verse sixteen says, "Are we all there? Are we all there?" Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? Yoking here means a, it's a kind of partnership, covenant relationship. That's what he's talking about. He's not just talking about, you know, uh, friends making friends. Jesus himself was accused of being friends of sinners and this and that. That's not the one we're talking about. We are talking about covenant relationship, deep partnership that brings you into what they are doing and into what you are doing. It will become unequal yoking. Because you are going to yoke yourself with people who, have a less, who, who, who don't carry the same unique name that God has placed on you. That's the way to put it. Everyone is important to God, but those who respond to him, he treats them differently. It's as simple as that. So you lower your own level by getting yoked to certain people and to certain things. Look at it. So don't be unequally yoked. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part as a believer with an unbeliever? Like I said, we are talking about we are not just talking about relationship at the general level. We are talking about deep partnership. And one of those areas which everybody knows is unequal yoking of a believer with an unbeliever. Say, well, I'll just marry that person. It doesn't really matter. You know, God will soon, I'll soon convert him. Ha! Hmm, hmm, hmm. Don't try it. Don't even, don't even dream it because you can't convert anybody. If the Holy Spirit wants you and say, mm, that one, don't go in there. Don't think you can change anybody. Don't, you can't change anybody. Is the point I'm making clear? For young people who are listening to me, is one area you need to be careful. You can, if you get into an equal yoke, you reduce your being special, you, re, you downgrade yourself to that level of their own oppression. And that's why they will constantly drag you to the level where they are. It's much, you know, it's a lot uh, difficult to pull somebody up. If you are if you're on a high mountain, to pull somebody up is a lot difficult than for them to drag you down. I hope you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I've not seen situations where people entered and God miraculously had mercy on them. But if you count the percentage, huh, they are very small. I know there are a few people who have escaped it. And I know that they also, they will know that it's God's mercy. If you ask them, they'll say, no, don't try it. It was just God's mercy upon my life. Don't try it. They won't use it as a principle to teach any other person. I'm telling you the truth. I've not seen one person who will say, ah, just do it. Like, no, 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 no. Because they knew that if God had not done this, I would, have been, I would have struggled forever. Are you following me? Young people around, around us listening carefully to that. You will reduce your value if you downgrade yourself to the level of those who don't have the same faith, the same level of belief as, and consecration that you have in God. Even among believers, 
there are those whose level of you know, consecration falls below yours. They have to pick themselves up. I'm not mm. saying you as a wife or as a husband cannot pick people up, but if what if they if you see traits that these ones are not likely to respond, if they refuse to, you will be at their level. Amen. And that's why God's will is very important. And that's why the Romans 12 we read says, you know, once you have consecrated yourself, he said it will help you to know what the good, the perfect, the acceptable will of God for your life is. Are we getting something here? Yeah. And I'm praying that the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. These are basic things that Christian, our Christianity has ignored over time. And we are paying great prices for it, which are not necessary. They are needful. Young men, young women, hear me well this morning. Don't, don't make yourself cheaper than the price God has paid upon your life. Let's go on here. It says, for you are the temple, no, let, let me say, and uh, 16, and what agreement as temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Can you see that relationship thing that God is craving for? But look at the condition of separation. He puts it very clearly. But the uniqueness he still wants to maintain with us. But the onus of separation lies with us. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. Can you see relationship again? God yearns for it. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. Proud, you know, when, you know when, a, when, a, when a father talks proudly of his children, that's what we are seeing here. Says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these great promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Those are the distinguishing factors. May God help us in Jesus' name. I've met people in my life. Uh, by the grace of God, uh, in, the, in the different places I've been, I've met, pe I've met people. I've met people. And I've seen places where terrible lack of fear. People who have demonstrated terrible lack of fear of God. That I myself am so afraid. Ah! I feel afraid for this person for lack of fear of God. Amen. Amen. Let's go on. Because of time, verse, uh, the number four, transformation by the word of God. I won't go too much into the transformation by the word of God and the spirit of God. Transformation. Transformation. 
Each of us, and I'm talking about the work God does in us, each of us, God wants us to be transformed, changed from one level to the other. If the first three had been properly taken care of, you will see that you will move, you will change from glory to glory. We will move from glory to glory. The impediment to our growth, the impediment to our manifestation of the glory of God lies in the first three. Do you agree with me? Yeah. Yes. Transformation. And, and I'm talking about, you know, evidence of change from one level to the other. Evidence of change. According to what the word of God says, evidence of change. Because our uniqueness about living, about being living proof of what God was, what was said. It's about the word of God becoming flesh in our own life. Are we getting it? Am I communicating this morning? Yes. Someone to read for me. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. If you read, no, I think, should I just say 17 to 18? Maybe we should just turn to 17. 16 to 18 would be good. If you have it there, just read it for me. Otherwise, I'll read it quickly from here. Second Corinthians chapter 3, from verses 16 to, uh, let me quickly see. Yes, 16 to 18, we, we do. Yes? Praise, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Yes. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yes. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Okay. Amen. So you can see a change that is worked out. The Bible talked about the, the word of God being the mirror. And they said, these changes come by the spirit of God. You know, the word of God with the power of the Holy Spirit brings changes in our life once steps one, two, and three are taken care of. He said, when, they, when anyone turns to the Lord, turns to the Lord, turns to the Lord, that's very crucial. Veil is taken away. You can see brightly. That, that talks about fellowship. That talks about devotion. That talks about consecration. And then you will see the changes that will happen. Have we not seen people who, are born, who have been born again, who, who said they have been born again for 10 years? And people cannot see any difference from who they have today and who they were 10 years ago. The same anger still trailed them. The same issues of character, immaturity, even after many years. And if they want to be honest, they themselves should sit down and say, what has really changed since I said I became born again? Is the point we are making this morning very clear? Yes. This is not about anyone. Please, this is just about simple principle by which God wants us to reorder our life and begin to reflect his glory everywhere. He said, we all with unveiled faces are beholding the glory of God and we are being changed from one level of glory to another, becoming more like Christ. Somebody was asking on Friday, is it not about our uniqueness? Is it not about how much of Christ we are like? Yes. Our Christ-likeness is actually the uniqueness that we carry. 
our uniqueness is to how much of Christ we are reflecting and how much of the word of God that people can see outwardly in our lives. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. And lastly, just one more point before we close. Reformation of the world. Reformation. We talk about transformation, which is about us. Reformation is about the world in which we are living in. Brothers and sisters, we are reformers. We are reformers. It's our uniqueness. The ability to change things. The ability to align things on earth with heaven lies inside of us. Hallelujah. That's why he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Are you following me? The other week we were talking about, you know, he said, I put my word in your mouth to plant the heavens and to establish the foundations of the earth. No, it's a, it's a uniqueness. Not everybody can do that. We are transformed. We are agents of change and transformation. We are not conformers. We are reformers. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which we read earlier on. Romans 12, verse 2 said, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that is about you. So transformation is about what God does with us. Reformation is about what he uses us to do in the world. And that's the next stage of our lives. That's the next place God wants to carry us to. A people who, change, who changes things. A people who, who change the milieu, a people who can change the milieu of the society. That's what, what we are. But by the time we are giving him to everything everybody is doing, so how, what change can you implement? A conformer can never be a reformer. You cannot change the same people you have copied, what they are doing, except the first of all, come out. Say, no, this thing ought not to be like this. Are you following me? You, you, you cannot do the two at the same time. And to how much we can transform, our lives can be used to as, as an agent of transformation in the life of others depend on how much our own life has been transformed. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. But we are change agents. That's why we are here. Matthew chapter 5, I think from about verse 13, you can write it down, 13 to 17, talks about we being the salt of the earth. But it says, if a salt shall lose its, its savour or flavour, how can you make it sweet? He said, it will not be good for anything. Just throw it out and let men trample on it. And they become common. Because what makes salt salt is the uniqueness of the savour of salt. If he loses it, what, then, where, what will he do? It would be useless for anyone. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. If we say, we are, the Bible says, and you are the light of the world, what about if the light had compromised its shining to embrace darkness? How can it change anything? Brothers and sisters, God has put a high value upon our lives, and we are here today to demonstrate that. He has called us his chosen people. He has called us kings and priests. We are a holy nation. We are peculiar people. But there is a responsibility on how we maintain that status. How we don't let 
that slipped from our hands by our own doing. This morning, as I stop here, I could go on and on. I just want us to want to pray for ourselves for grace. For grace. I know there are challenges here and there, but brothers and sisters, the way we remain unique are just these few principles. I've not said this is the way you should do this one, this is the way you should do this one. If we follow these principles, our life will align perfectly. Hallelujah. Wherever we are, we will be a light shining in our different, different, different corners. Bow down your heads now. As you just ask for grace, grace to remain connected. Grace to not disconnect, grace to abide, to abide in fellowship with God, to abide in, in fellowship in the presence of God. Grace to abide. Sometimes that can be trying, that can be really challenging. Everything wants to break our commitment in love with God, our fellowship with God. The enemy wants to break it. If there's anything he's jealous about, he's jealous about our relationship. And anything he can do to distract, to take us out of it, he will do it. Even if it means helping you to keep some bitterness in your heart that will not allow you to enjoy the connection with God, it will make you to have it. Why not talk to God today and say, Lord, oh, for the grace. Oh, for the grace to remain connected to you. Oh, for the grace to consecrate and consecrate more. We can never finish consecrating. Sometimes we say, ah, I've given all to God. I surrender all. But sometimes, and many times God will say, no, you haven't surrendered that one to me. And that's why it's a continuous process. Remain consecrated. Remain connected. Remain consecrated. And in terms of separation, let's just continue to trust God. We were reading about Jehoshaphat, a man who, who did well in the sight of God. But in the, level, in the area of separation, he, he actually couldn't draw his own boundaries. He kept on going to the wrong people, to, the, to, to, to a wrong war, fighting a battle that did not even concern him. Let's pray. The grace, the wisdom to relate with people, to be friendly with, with the people, and yet to know where to draw the boundaries. It's a wisdom. It's a grace from God. Let's just ask for grace this morning. In fact, all that is on my heart is I ask for grace. Oh, for the grace. Oh, for the grace. Whether it is connection, oh, for the grace. Whether it's consecration, oh, for the grace. Whether it is separation, oh, for the grace. Transformation, oh, God. Oh, for the grace to internalize your word, to embrace your word, and Lord, to give your Holy Spirit room to change my life from one level to the other. Lord, oh, for the grace to do exploit. Oh, for the grace to change my world. Oh, for the grace to, to, to transform my environment. Oh, for the grace to be like those, those wayfaring men who turn the valley of Becca around and make it a place of strength, of water, and they go from strength to strength. That's the kind of people God wants us to be. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name.